0: You really can sell to anyone, from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater.
1: Hello, 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 MD Nation. Welcome to the show. As always, I'm your host Dan Mater, and we're going over the week five preview part one, which includes the Thursday night football preview and all of the one o'clock games. And should I mention the nine o'clock in the morning Sunday London game as we have the Chicago Bears taking on the Oakland Raiders in that game. Bright and early Sunday morning, we got football all day long. That's the only good thing about the London games. Otherwise, I really don't care for them too much, especially when you're talking about fantasy purposes because they are widely unpredictable because of the traveling, what team's going to show up, who prepared more for the jet lag. It's almost as unpredictable as Thursday night games are because of the shorter week. So for fantasy football purposes, they're really not fun, but it is kind of cool to wake up in the morning, have a cup of coffee and already have football on, at least as an East Coaster. I know the guys on the West Coast who are listening to this, That's pretty much your every Sunday. I get that. I understand that. It's a special treat for us here on the East Coast to be able to get that experience. But we have a lot we have to get to in today's show. Not only we have that, but we have the mailbag segment at the end. I got to select few questions here from the fans that we're going to shout out and talk about at the end of the show. Some really good ones here. So you're going to want to make sure you listen all the way through because they may be questions that I picked out that I think a lot of people are going to have Uh, ideas or questions about they're going to need to have answers so there should be some pretty popular ones at the end of the show today and of course we'll go through our regular preview and injury report we do have some latest news to get into but because we're going to be talking about that same news in the games that we're previewing in today we're going to skip the latest news segment because we are going to talk about that the headliner issues going on today Throughout the podcast. So make sure you're listening all the way through for that too. Remember, you can always tweet at me or Facebook me or send me a direct email whenever you have questions or utilize me as a source at MDSFF show on Twitter, at MDFF show on Facebook. And of course, go to the website, www.mdffshow.com, not just to send me a direct email, but for the rankings as well, which I will have up later on today before the Thursday night game comes out. So you can go ahead and check those out and get your lineups set according to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Expectations and projections for this week upcoming. We've been doing pretty well so far. Uh, Always some hit or misses, and that's what happens when you rank and do projections. But for the most part, we've been pretty much on the ball here, especially with key guys that people have questions about whether they should start or not. So it's been going pretty well there too. Uh, We're going to go ahead and get right into it, hit the break here, come back on the other side, start off with the Thursday night preview. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics, Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. In tonight's game, we got the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks back to division opponents for the Thursday night games. At least this one should be a competent game. We had a decent game last week, and there's promises to be a good game this week too, as the Rams and the Seattle Seahawks are two legitimately good teams. So we may not be bored out of our minds, even if we don't have fantasy values in this week. But a lot of people are going to between you know The Rams players and Seattle players, there's a lot of fantasy guys to go around, so we have a lot we have to get into in this game in particular for your matchups. Now, of course, starting off, we'll go with the Rams side of the football. The good thing is, is that there's no real injuries to talk about for the Rams. Uh, you're pretty much starting everyone. You have to start Todd Gurley. You have to start Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. The question is, do you start Jared Goff on the road in Seattle? I think if you drafted him to be your number one quarterback, I would. There aren't too many streaming options this week that I love. I thought Andy Dalton was going to be one of my top streamers, but now that he's not going to have John Ross, and we'll talk about that game in a little while, I I don't know how much I love that matchup. So with Andy Dalton, even though he's playing Arizona, he's probably not going to be my top streamer. It's probably going to be Jacoby Brissett. but even with Jacoby Brissett being I don't think they're going to have T.Y. Hilton, I don't know how big of a ceiling he has, so While you can go in either one of those directions and maybe think they have a higher floor because Jared Goff is normally speaking not great on the road, I do think the Rams might have to come out in this game with a chip on their shoulder after getting smacked in the face at home against Tampa Bay. It is a big time divisional matchup. I do think this game is going to be close for all four quarters, which means I do think they're going to throw the ball and be pretty aggressive throughout the entire game. So I do think there's a very good chance that Goff throws the ball 30 to 35 times in this one. As long as he does that, Seattle has been been taken advantage of on the perimeter with their corners they're not up the snuff. This is not a Seattle secondary that we're used to seeing. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup all should have success in this game, which should mean, at very least, for fantasy purposes, Jared Goff should have a decent floor heading into this matchup. So I do think you're gonna to have to start him. There aren't too many streams this week that I feel like are definitely bona fide better than him going into this matchup. And of course, check out my rankings later on the website, mdffshow.com, to see exactly where I have everyone finish out. And I'll I'll be sure to tweet that out and Facebook message that out when that. Is available uh, later on today, so that way you guys know there too. On the Seattle side of the ball, you start your guys. Chris Carson plays, Tyler Lockett plays, Russell Wilson plays, Will Disley plays. So all that's pretty straightforward there. Rashad Penny is off of the injury port, so I do expect them to see him in some kind of capacity today. What role exactly that's going to be, I don't know because Chris Carson did himself a lot of favors. He took advantage of Rashad Penny being out for the second week and this time he was able to get all of the work and he held on to the football and he had a big week. So I do think he bought himself some time as far as still maintaining his dominance in the majority of the touches out of the backfield for now. But I do think Rashad Penny is somebody they want to get involved. Uh, we'll see how much it is this week. Uh, Penny's obviously not somebody who I'm going to play in the flex or anything like that. I think it's more just interesting for Chris Carson owners to see exactly how the split's going to shake out because I do think moving forward in the season, we may start to see a little bit more of, a, not going to be quite a 50-50 split, but maybe a 55-45-60-40 split between the two of these guys moving moving forward. So we'll have to wait and see what happens here against the Rams and it's a good team to get a gauge on because this game should be competitive throughout. So it's going to they're going to use who they who they trust more in certain situations. That's why it's a good game to get a nice barometer on. But other than that, keeping your eye on that, you're pretty much playing everybody. Um, The only guy who I would maybe bench that you have been playing for Seattle would be DK Metcalf. Uh, Playing against Keeb Talib or Marcus Peters, I do think the Rams will be able to take away the deep ball, especially after getting toasted so much by it last week. And remember... Other than the one bomb that Mike Evans caught, it was Chris Godwin who they couldn't cover, and he plays mostly in the slot, which should be the Tyler Lockett role. So Tyler Lockett may be in store for a big game in this one, but I think DK Metcalf may be—he always just needs one play in order to break out. But he may be a low-floor type of player in this week's matchup, especially coming in Thursday's game. They do play better at home, but with David Moore out there, they are splitting snaps between the two of them right now when they're not going through receiver sets. So he's not playing as much either. So DK Metcalf may ride the bench for me in this one. That would be about it, though. Everyone else that you play for Seattle, you go ahead and play. So let's get into our next game for Sunday, uh, which I believe would be the Oakland Raiders and the Chicago Bears. As that is the London game heading into this week. So we're going to head and talk about that one first. Uh, What we have here is, you know, Mr. Trubisky, he's going to be out. Taylor Gabriel is not practicing, going through concussion protocol. That's usually a bad sign when guys aren't at least able to practice in a limited capacity or at least do individual drills on Wednesdays for concussion protocol. So he may miss. Chase Daniels coming in, what does that mean fantasy-wise for the guys you care about? Which to me, right now, should only be David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, and I do know people in PPR leagues might be questioning about Tariq Cohen. I'm not trusting Tariq Cohen. First of all, this is a game that, especially with Noah has perfect on the other side for the Oakland Raiders, I think David Montgomery's going to have a big game in this one. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to run the ball. He has been getting about 20-plus touches the past couple of weeks. There's no reason he shouldn't get 20-plus touches again in this one, especially with Chase Daniels being the starter. And as far as Alan Robinson goes, there's nobody on Oakland that scares you as far as a corner. And Chase Daniels showed that he actually looks better throwing the football right now than Mitchell Bitsky did anyway, and if there's not going to be any Taylor Gabriel, that should mean more volume for Allen Robinson. I don't know how high of a ceiling he has, especially with Chase Daniels. The big play is just not going to be there. There's, he doesn't have the arm strength to make that big play. But I do think he has a safe floor with the possibility of getting in the end zone. He is due. We've gone through four weeks. He hasn't caught a touchdown yet. He is a big bodied guy. He is a touchdown target. So I do think he's due for a touchdown. It could be this week. But at the very least, I think he has a pretty high floor. So that's why you can go ahead and play Allen Robinson as a high end wide receiver three, maybe a low end wide receiver two if he's able to get into the end zone but definitely can belong in your lineup, especially in the flex or if you play with three receivers. And I'm playing David Montgomery. Like I said, I'm not sticking with Terry Cohen. I'm not playing Trey Burton. That's all I'm going to do on the Chicago side of the ball. Their only other fantasy asset really is the defense, which of course you're starting against the Oakland Raiders. For Oakland side, Tyrell Williams didn't practice yesterday with a foot injury. The team came out today and said that they are hopeful that he will be able to play on Sunday. Whenever a team says that they are hopeful, I have zero confidence in that player. Even if that player winds up being able to suit up for the game, that means they are not going to be anywhere near 100%. A team will say they expect them to or they're optimistic about it, but when they say they're hopeful, that's usually a key word to let you know. Even if he manages to get out there, he is not going to be anywhere near 100%. This is not a good matchup. Tyrell Williams, even though he scored a touchdown in the last four weeks straight, would be on my bench in this game. There's no way you can trust what output he's going to be able to put out there, even if he does get on the field. Now, if Tyrell Williams does not get on the field. There's still not a wide receiver in Oakland I trust. I know a lot of people will say, well, Hunter Renfro, maybe for PPR purposes. No. This is not a good matchup. I think the Oakland Raiders are going to get dominated by that Bears defense throughout the game. I don't know how many fantasy points are going to be there to go around. That includes for Josh Jacobs. Look, I think it's going to be hard for teams to bench Josh Jacobs right now. The volume will be there, and he has been a pretty solid RB too. So it's, I say with most teams that have Jacobs, you probably don't have too many better options. But if you do have a decent option this week, I would think about benching Jacobs here. I don't think there's anybody who can run that successfully on Chicago. Even Dalvin Cook, who's been one of the hottest guys to start, he managed to score a touchdown, but he didn't run very well. He didn't put up much production outside of that touchdown that saved his fantasy day last week against the Chicago Bears. That Raiders team is not nearly as good as Minnesota running the football. So I think if you can find a better option, I would actually try to bench Josh Jacobs if you could. I don't have a big expectation for him this week, but I do understand if you don't. So you can go ahead and play him. You know he's going to have the volume, maybe because they're going to be down, maybe because there might be no Tyrell Williams. He'll be more active in the passing game and give you a floor that way. That's a possibility. But I definitely don't love the matchup here for anybody on the Raiders. Darren Waller is another guy where I think you have to play him because you probably don't have a better option at tight end. He's been a top tight end one with the amount of work that he's been getting. And there is no Tyrell Williams. He is going to be the number one pass catcher. But again, against Chicago, I still don't know how much of a ceiling that really means. There's still a low floor there because of the matchup. Titans typically do not do very well against Chicago, especially if Roquan Smith is back this week. So I am not loving Darren Waller either but again it's kind of a similar situation to the Josh Jacobs where you may not have a better option so I understand having to start him but there may be guys out there that you might want to take a look at that would be better may have better matchups so if you have any questions about that you know make sure you get at me on on social media on twitter on facebook or email me directly you know where to go our next game up that we're going to talk about here is the uh let me oh Oh, uh, no, no, stop right there. There you go. All right. (laughs) We got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. It's Arizona and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Surprise is actually a one o'clock game, but here we go. So this is going to be a very interesting game. Both teams haven't won a game yet. It is in Cincinnati coming off of that embarrassing Monday night loss. Christian Kirk didn't practice yesterday. He is unlikely to go Sunday for the Cardinals. Andy Isabella is going to get the start. He's expected to play on the outside. Keyshawn Johnson will be the other starting wide receiver. And of course, you have Larry Fitzgerald, who will mostly be operating from the slot throughout this game. We'll see who they bring up. They're probably going to bring up somebody off the practice squad to be that fourth receiver since they play so many four receiver sets. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, But what it tells me is that in a plus matchup, Larry Fitzgerald has a through-the-roof floor, as long as well as the ceiling, but the volume that he might see might be off the charts. And that the same goes for David Johnson, because I think the entire passing game is just going to flow through those two. If they're going to have to depend on Annie Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson to be the starters, I think... Kyler Murray's going to have no choice but to go to Fitzgerald and David Johnson almost on every play. So the the floor for both of those guys, especially in the passing game, is going to be through the roof. We know Cincinnati is a terrible run defense. This might be the one game that David Johnson actually rushes for 100 yards because he's just going to have the ability to do so. You don't need a good offensive line to be able to run the football on Cincinnati. You just don't. Uh, even Kyler Murray, I think, is a high-end streaming quarterback this week. He has fallen into the streaming quarterback territory. While he hasn't been terrible for fantasy purposes, he's just not very consistent throwing the football. And that's why he's fallen out of the QB1 situation and has been a streaming quarterback. He is a top streamer, though, heading against the Cincinnati Bengals, though, because the matchup is just too good. And he still has his most dependable pass catchers. Whereas on the Bengals' side of the ball... Andy Dalton's not going to have John Ross, who just got sent to the IR because of his shoulder. Still no AJ Green. So he's going to be forced there with Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate and Alex Erickson. Basically, what's going to boil down to is that Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon are going to be what they have to focus on for the offense in general and let the flow through that. How much can Tyler Eifert get involved? This is a great matchup for tight ends. Arizona can't stop the tight end worth a damn right now. And Tyler Eifert has at least been playing, has been looking decent. I don't know how much they're still going to lean on him between the 20s, though. I think that's what the question is. I still think he's a very risky streamer, even in a plus matchup like this. But if you're desperate at the tight end position, you could do worse than Tyler Eifert against the Cardinals this week. So something just to kind of keep in mind there. But for the most part, I love Tyler Boyd for PPR purposes. He's going to have a crazy volume. He has a crazy floor no matter what the scoring format is. Just because they're going to have to go to him over and over and over and over again. And it's still going to be a plus matchup. And they should get extra opportunities because it is Arizona. I talked about Andy Dalton. Without John Ross there... He just doesn't have the same ceiling, and nor does he have the same floor, where I think he's going to put up a lot of volume, so I think he can still have a decent game because it is Arizona, but without having that deep threat weapon and having to lean on the short to intermediate part of the field, he just doesn't have a very big ceiling. So while he's still a viable streaming option, he's not the streaming option for me this week like he was going to be before the John Ross injury. Uh, obviously, I love Joe Mixon here. The same, you know, the same thing applies for David Johnson, Arizona. You don't need much of an offensive line to be able to run the ball on Arizona. I think Joe Mixon will have a good game here too. So I think you can play him with confidence this week, even though he's been a little bit of a disappointment so far this season. I think you can finally get a good matchup here with him and ex- get the expectation level that you drafted Joe Mixon to be. So I'm not worried about that too. It's just outside of that. Like I know some people have talked about Alden Tate being a sleeper. I'd say a deep sleeper. Like if you're in deep leagues, you want to take the chance on Alden Tate fine if you're in a tournament and you want to play on take because it's going to be you know a different play than everybody else fine but for redraft leagues on a, a more standard 12 team 10 team leagues whatever the case may be i outside of joe mixon and tyler Boyd, there's nobody else on the cincinnati team who i'm really going to trust this week even in a plus match against arizona because they just don't have the pieces to be as dynamic of an offense as they possibly can be in a matchup like this the next game we're going to have to talk about is the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. This is going to be a dud when it comes to fantasy purposes, and I think everybody understands that. It's going to be a defensive battle. I wouldn't be surprised if this wind up being like a 9-6 to type of game, 12-9, to something along. I wouldn't be surprised if it was all field goals in this game, essentially what it comes down to. I hate the matchup for Frank Gore or Devin Singletary because Devin Singletary was limited practice at the end of last week he's come back he's been limited practice so far the first two days of this week there's a good chance he's able to come back so Frank Gore to me not only is the matchup terrible for him but he's not going to get all the volume if Devin Singletary's back there's no way in hell I'd be playing Frank Gore right now and I think after this week if not this week you're going to be able to go ahead and drop him and move on even though he's been weirdly successful the past two weeks. Uh, With Josh Allen, he is getting through the concussion protocol, but surprisingly, he was able to do individual work yesterday. Still waiting for the reports to see exactly what his participation level was today, but if he's able to actually put something together, he might actually find a way to get through concussion protocol, which would be shocking to me after the hit that he took on Sunday. I thought for sure he'd be out at least a week, but it does seem like he is making progress. So he may be out there, which does bode well, I guess, if you're looking for to take shots on a john brown or something like that nature but against tennessee i don't think anybody has much value anyway hi i'm maria
0: and i'm mike and we're team team ready.
1: ready black hills energy knows your home is where your heart is so they want you to be ready
0: it's all about keeping you safe prepared and making your home as energy efficient as possible
1: Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather.
0: Be ready for anything. Go to BlackHillsEnergy.com slash TeamReady.
1: So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be starting anybody on Buffalo, and that includes Josh Allen even if he plays. And really, uh, the same thing can go for Tennessee. I think you might have to start Derrick Henry. He has been a solid RB2 each and every week so far. Uh, You're not going to probably have a better option to go at your RB2 than Derrick Henry for this one. So I totally understand you having to start Derrick Henry. Outside of that, there's no way I'm starting another Tennessee Titan. That includes Delaney Walker. Look, he's banged up right now. He didn't practice yesterday because of the knee. Janus Smith has actually been playing quite a few snaps over the past couple of weeks, so he does seem to be legitimately hindered at the moment. And while he is the favorite target of Marcus Mariota just going up against the Buffalo Bills. I don't see much of a ceiling right there. So I think there's gonna be other streaming options at tight end that I would rather take a shot on. Like I would rather take a shot on Tyler Eifert this week than Delaney Walker. Uh that's kind of just what it comes down to right now. Just just where he's at. Now if he suddenly puts in a full work of practice, either to you know today, later on today or tomorrow, then that could change. Then then I would say that you can you can play Delaney Walker if he's been your tight end so far this 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 season. But if, if you don't, or if he doesn't, then I would probably shy away, especially playing against the Buffalo Bills. So I would say here at the end of the day, I would go just with Derrick Henry, and I would kind of leave Delaney Walker on the bench in this matchup. It could get really ugly between these two teams. All right, we're going to take a quick break real quick and then come back on the other side. We still got a lot more games to preview here. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Rolling right along here, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints next up to talk about, and of course, it's all about Jameis Winston for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can he continue the hot streak that he is currently on? We know Jameis about this, he's streaky, but when he's in the hot streak, that can usually last, and I keep saying this, usually it can last like a month to about six weeks, so right now he's in the middle of it. Yes, the Saints defense played an impressive game against Dallas, but let's remember Dallas didn't have all of its weapons, and the place where you can take advantage of the Saints is from the slot and on the back side on the opposite side of Marshawn Lattimore. Now, Lattimore is going to shadow Mike Evans in this one, and that's going to be a tough matchup, and I think we have to lower expectations as far as what his ceiling is going into this game, but what that does mean is that Chris Goblin, once again, is going to have a favorable matchup working from the slot and from the opposite side against the Saints defense. So I do expect Chris Godwin to get open. I think that's going to help James Winston to have a go-to guy throughout the game. Should also hope Mike Evans at some point too because they're not going to be able to just allow Chris Godwin to kill them over and over and over again. So I do think James Winston can have at least a high floor game in this one. We do know that the Saints are a team that you can't really run the ball on. So I don't expect Tampa Bay to have much success running the football in this one. I do think James Winston is going to have to throw the ball a ton, giving him at least a high floor with a pretty decent ceiling in this one from a fantasy perspective we'll see how well he plays from an NFL standpoint but I do think the numbers and the production should be there for your fantasy teams in this one I'm not going to be playing Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones because of this matchup against the Saints, especially at home. They are a really hard team to run on. You even saw last week Ezekiel Elliott had his troubles trying to find any kind of running room. Yes, he found the end zone, but I don't know how you trust. Not only does Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones have a weird split going on right now from week to week that you can't trust in and of itself, but you can't trust them in this matchup. There's no way either one of them play for me, even if I have them rostered right now. Uh, That pretty much wraps it up for Tampa Bay Buccaneers because we can't really talk about O.J. Howard right now. He's been non-existent even in plus matchups, even when the offense has done well, he hasn't been existent. He's in there. He's blocking too much of the time. He's not going out on enough passing routes, I think, to really be relevant. Maybe that opens up at some point during the season, or maybe Bruce Arians is just going to outright refuse the tight ends on a consistent basis. I think that's a major mistake. Yes, he has that track record, but he's never had a tight end like O.J. Howard, so I thought maybe he would try to find a way to make an exception and utilize him in such a way, but that's clearly not part of the game plan right now, and while I have a hard time dropping OJ Howard because of the talent that he is, because he's a tight end, because there's no real reason to roster two, he's not someone who I'm going to start until I start to see some kind of improvement on a week-to-week basis, so he might be droppable at this point. He's not a must drop, he's not a flush candidate for this show, but he is somebody who I'm not going to look to play this week either. On the same side of the ball, Teddy Bridgewater, of course, is going to be taking over again. Uh, Drew Brees is still a few weeks away from being able to make a return. And as far as other injuries go, Traquan Smith was limited in practice yesterday, but really for fantasy purposes, even against Tampa Bay, I don't think you can really trust anything out of Traquan Smith or Ted Ginn Jr. outside of DFS flyers. And if I'm going to take a flyer on one of them, it's going to be Ted Ginn. It's not going to be Traquan Smith. This offense at the end of the day is going to be Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. We know this. They are the only two players on this offense that you can trust from a fantasy perspective. Everyone else I'm not touching. I'm not going to be playing Jared cook anytime soon. If at all this season to me, he is somebody who should have been dropped from your teams long ago. Uh, Latavius Murray is not playing that much without Drew Brees in there because they want Alvin Kamara in there to give Teddy Bridgewater the safety blanket that he needs uh, play in and play out. So Latavius Murray's not playing enough to get the flex appeal that he maybe once had coming into the season. He may not have value again unless Alvin Kamara gets hurt or until Drew Brees gets back. So it's just Kamara and just Michael Thomas. Now, because Kamara catches the ball, the tough the tough run defense that is Tampa Bay is something that I don't think is going to affect him too much. While he might not have a lot of success on the ground, there's absolutely no reason in the world to think that Kamara is not going to be able to catch a ton of passes in this one and be able to get favorable matchups against the Tampa Bay linebackers who should be able to eat up catching balls out of the backfield. So not going to be worried about that. And of course, Michael Thomas, it's a plus matchup for him because the corners of Tampa Bay absolutely are miserable. And there's no reason to think. He he doesn't have a very high floor, especially in PPR leagues. He has been targeted a ton. He's still got nine catches for 95 yards last week. He's still been effective with Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe he doesn't quite have the ceiling that he had with Drew Brees, but he still very much has been a wide receiver one, especially in PPR leagues. So there's no reason to worry about him either next game here we're going to talk about is the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants. So this is the Minnesota Vikings, of course, are the team that I was talking about. We have latest news, but I wanted to wait until now to talk about Stephon Diggs. He did not practice yesterday due to a non injury. He did come back and practice today, so it does look like he's going to play on Sunday. So that's, that's the important part if you have Stephon Diggs. This is a great matchup, of course, against the Giants. Thing is, this can go one of two ways. Now, I'll tell you what I would do. If I was Mike Zimmer, I would look at this as an opportunity to get the passing game going. I think if you're the Minnesota Vikings, I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't recognize that getting that passing game going is going to be the key to being able to beat these playoff caliber teams down the road, which is what you should be. This Remember, the Minnesota Vikings are still a team that have Super Bowl aspirations. They still assign Kirk Cousins for that purpose. And right now, the running game is doing really well. The defense looks back to where it was a couple of years ago. The only thing not working is the fact that you can't take advantage of the fact you have Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, two of the best receivers in the league, probably the best combo in the league, and you haven't been able to take advantage of that. The passing game has been horrible. Kirk Cousins has been really, really bad. This would be an opportunity to try to get him back in rhythm, to try to get his confidence flowing again. However, I don't know if that's what Mike Zimmer is going to do. I don't think he, I don't know if he's going to take advantage of that opportunity that presents them this week to use it as a game to get themselves confidence and back into rhythm moving forward because Mike Zimmer has shown so far this season that if he has the ability to just run the football and play defense and get out of there with a the win, that is what he wants to do. And he's made that clear since since last year. So I can hope that they're smart and they recognize that they have to get the passing game going if they want to be truly a good playoff contending team. But Mike Zimmer has had other plans so far this season, so I think that you're not going to have too many options that are better than Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen in this matchup against the Giants, but I have a lot more confidence in Adam Thielen this week. Came out... You know, the, the squeaky wheel gets to grease, especially in the NFL, especially when you're Adam Thielen. And going up against the New York Giants, I think there's going to be an emphasis on getting Thielen the ball, especially with Stephon Diggs not showing up yesterday, saying it's because he didn't feel well. And that's a BS excuse at the end of the day. It's, it's Stephon Diggs is fed up with the organization. I think there's real truth to him wanting to be traded. Well, he hasn't demanded a trade, and I think he can be, I think he's in a position where he can be talked back into staying with the Vikings or wanting to stay with the Vikings if they're able to turn things around in the offense. But right now, I think he's fed up with not being utilized the way that he feels like he should be. And I don't blame him. He's a hell of a wide receiver who doesn't get anywhere near the credit he deserves because he's not put in a position to consistently succeed, especially with the offense that they have been running right now. So with the wide receivers loudly complaining this week, both of them, I don't see how you ignore the fact that you need this game to get right, but again, Mike Zimmer hasn't gone that route, and Mike Zimmer is as stubborn as they come, so receivers getting mad may not change his mind and change his game plan, so we will have to see about that. Kirk Cousins is going to play better. He is not as bad as he has played over the past few weeks, so that will continue, but Vikings right now are opening a schedule for the next five weeks that are all plus matchups. So While they may not get right in this game, they do have several chances to get right, which is why I'm not panicking on guys like Stephon Diggs, on guys like Adam Thielen. I do think that passing game is going to get better as we move through, especially this part of the schedule right now. I think they're going to have really great opportunities to put up some big games and get back on track. I just don't know if it's this week or not. I see a wide range of outcomes between very low floors and very high ceilings for both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, but of the two, I feel more confident about Adam Thielen getting an emphasis to get the ball than I do Diggs this week. So something to just keep in mind. Of course, Dalvin Cook's going to be fine. I talked about Alexander Madison in the waiver wire report, how I thought that he may actually have some flex appeal in this matchup because I do think the Minnesota Vikings are going to dominate this game. Even if they just run the ball and play defense, I think they're going to dominate this game. I don't think the Giants can match up from a physicality standpoint. So he's going to run successfully, and I think Madison could actually have some flex appeal in this one. Only if you're desperate and in deeper leagues, like I'm not, I'm not condoning go out there, pick up Alexander Madison and play him in your flex, no matter what your roster looks like. If you're hindered by injuries and hindered by the bye week, because there's four teams on bye this week, there's he's an option that I do think will at least be serviceable for you, and does have a chance to get into the end zone because I do think there's a decent chance that he has a lot of opportunities to play in the fourth quarter. Um, so that that's why I think he's going to be okay. And obviously I'm still not playing Irv Smith or Kyle Rudolph or and I'm not even going to stream Kirk Cousins even though this would typically be a great matchup to stream him And if he was playing well. He has to prove it first and get back on track before you can even touch Kirk Cousins at the moment. And then now we have on the Giants side of the ball, we have some very interesting news that's been developing so far this week. The head coach, Pat Shermer refuses to rule out Saquon Barkley. Uh, He was able to come back on Wednesday. He was running around the rehab field. It still seems unlikely that Barkley's really going to be able to play on Sunday, but they do seem to be holding out legitimate hope that he may be able to do it. Now, what I will say is that even if he can't return this Sunday, this all does bode very well for him to return in week six. So way earlier, we got a four- to eight-week timeline on a high ankle sprain. All of a sudden, he missed one week, and he's back out there, shedded the walking boot, already running around. They said he even looked good cutting. Uh, Taequann Parkley just might just be an incredible freak of nature to be able to recover from an injury like this this quickly uh, because they, they diagnosed it as a high ankle sprain. So I would be shocked if he was really able to come back this week but being that they are holding out legitimate hope, being that he actually is getting work in practice and then practice in a limited capacity again today already, there does seem to be it's not a super far fetched as far as that goes. So we will have to see. We will have to see exactly what happens. He may be available. If not, Wayne Gallman will assume full duty roles like he did a week ago. But going against the Minnesota Vikings is a lot different than going up against the Washington Redskins. And quite frankly, He was a little banged up yesterday. Nothing to be worried about. They called it next soreness. He was a limited uh, participant in practice on Wednesday. But I'm not going to love playing him in this matchup. And I would really try to see if I could find better options. Yes, the volume might be there. um, So you may not have a better option. If, If Saquon doesn't go, You know, Gallman at least will catch the ball. So he offers you a floor in that sense. But not much of a ceiling. I would try to see if I have better options to go to. Of course, though, if you picked up Wayne Gallman because you're a Saquon Barkley owner, you might not have a better option to go to, unfortunately. But I would hope that maybe there's be some other options presented to you guys, especially if you weren't a Saquon Barkley owner, but you just happened to get Wayne Gallman. I don't know how eager I would be to play him. Uh, this week, unless I'm just looking for a serviceable floor play out of an RB2 or a flex situation in a PPR format and standard format. He has a very low floor possibility against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Because remember, too, I think the Vikings are going to dominate this game, so I do think the Giants are going to have to throw the ball a lot in the second half. Maybe that's where he's able to give you a floor because he's able to be that that safety blanket guy, but just very low expectation as far as the ceiling goes. Obviously, I'm not going to play Daniel Jones this week, even as a streamer. And while you might want to play Sterling Shepard because he's been good the past couple of weeks, he's got two things working against him. One, get got the Minnesota Vikings. And two, Golden Tate comes back from suspension this week. And Golden Tate is probably going to play mostly in the slot, which is where the mismatch against the Vikings is going to be. Sterling Shepard's going to be on the outside. That means he's going to see Xavier Rhodes quite often during the day. So I would look for other options besides Sterling Shepard. I think he's no more than the wide receiver four, possibly wide receiver five in this week's matchup. Golden Tate, you can't come back and play him right out of the gate. Uh, especially against Minnesota, not knowing how this game is going to go. But he is somebody who, if he's available, I talked about him in my waiver wire report. He was an honorable mention because he was 51% available, so he doesn't quite make the cut. But I had to mention him because he's still widely available in quite a few leagues. So he is somebody that you can go ahead half point, full point PPR leagues and pick him up. I don't know if I would care about picking him up in a standard league necessarily. He's not a guy who scores touchdowns or goes, goes over 100 yards very often. But in half point and full point PPR leagues, I would pick him up there, but I'm not going to play him this week against Minnesota with his first week back on his brand new team at that too. Keep that in mind. This is still a new team for Golden Tate as well. Um, Evan Ingram is really the only guy that I think you have to play at the end of the day. Like, That's the one matchup that can seem to do well against the Minnesota Vikings is the tight end position. Uh, He's going to be as dependable as they come. He's the one guy whose role doesn't really change too much. So Evan Ingram, to me, is the only giant that I think I could start with any kind of confidence heading into this matchup, quite frankly. Next up we have to talk about is the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. So in this matchup, I think... The main thing that we have to talk about with the Jets is the fact that Sam Darnold was able to return to practice this week. Now, he still has not been able to get full clearance for contact yet, but... He has been taking most of the first-team reps. The Jets do seem to be practicing him as if they fully expect him to be the starter on Sunday. I don't think they would have him taking as many first-team reps as he has in practice yesterday and today if they didn't think he was going to get the full OK to play on Sunday. They would try to be getting Luke Falk as much work as possible especially going up against the Eagles in Philadelphia. So I do think Sam Darnold is going to play. That's what the signs point to, which bodes well for guys like Jamison Crowder, bodes well for guys like Robbie Anderson, because this is a plus matchup for those guys. Uh, you got going against Philadelphia Eagles. You saw what the Packers had to them on prime time, but the Eagles have been a great matchup for wide receivers all throughout, and especially since they're so good against the run, teams usually can't run on them, so that they automatically have to do the pass. Instead of waiting till third down, they have to do it on second down because it's, it's second and nine, and so they go to the passing game there instead of waiting till third down necessarily. Le'Veon Bell, I think, will always have a good floor because he's always going to get an insane amount of touches every single week because he is the offense. But I think James and Crowder in PPR leagues can offer some flex appeal for a safe floor. I think Robbie Anderson, if Sam Darnold plays, has a chance to have a decent game. I think he can have a high ceiling as the Philadelphia Eagles with Sam Darnold back at quarterback. Now, he's going to have a low floor, too, because, once again, you're still dealing with Darnold, who likes to check the ball down. You're still dealing with Adam Gase, who likes to throw it to the slot receiver. Uh, the other guy people are going to want to talk about is Chris Herndon. Yeah, Chris Herndon is, I've talked about this before, is not somebody who I want to pick up. I think he's a bust. Adam Gase doesn't amplify the tight end position. And typically speaking, the tight ends actually don't do as well against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the outside where you you attack them out. So even if you picked up Chris Herndon, I don't know how eager I am to play him this week. I think I need to see. It's kind of like the Golden Tate situation. I need to see, does he have his legs underneath of him? Is he really going to play a full workload? Is he ready to go? I, I think you need to wait a week before you can play Chris Herndon, if that's something you're even trying to do. Hopefully, if you're part of MD Nation, you've taken my advice and let someone else in your league make that mistake. All right, so on the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball, this is a good matchup for everybody in, involved. Uh, we have a Jets defense that looked like they quit to some degree the last time they were out there. Now, they had the bye week to try to get some extra practice and try to get right. But there's no reason not to play you know, Carson Wentz, not to, not to play Sean Jeffrey. Uh, and not to play Zach Ertz. Question is outside of that, who do you play? Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard. Look um, to me, Jordan Howard is the guy who has the most value because he is the touchdown guy. Darren Sproles hasn't been very involved because they seem to want to try to get Miles Sanders some carries and be the pass catcher. They want to try to get him involved in that way, so he's not involved. So it just kind of comes down to Sanders and Howard as the two. But anytime they get inside the twelve yard line, it seems like not even 10, twelve. Is Jordan Howard time. So, Miles Sanders isn't going to get goal line carries. So, you have to hope he's giving you a decent enough floor with the yards production. Now, in this matchup against the Jets, I think he has a chance to do that. I think he can be a flex guy. He's not an RB2, but I think he can be a flex guy in this matchup. Hopefully, you have other options because he doesn't have a very high ceiling. And neither does Jordan Howard for that matter. I mean, Howard has more of a ceiling because he has the opportunities to get in the end zone. But unless they actually start feeding him the ball more, and maybe they do after the really good game that he had against the Green Bay Packers, that's possible. But I'm still just looking at him as a touchdown-dependent flex play more so than anything else right now. Until you see it two weeks in a row, if he out, if this is come, becomes the second week in a row where he out-carries Miles Sanders like he did against the Packers, then we might be singing a different tune starting going into next week. But as of now, he still has to be looked at as a touchdown-dependent guy in your flex. As far as anybody else, Nelson Aguilar. Look, Deshaun Jackson's probably not going to play. Uh, he hasn't didn't practice yesterday. He again didn't practice today, so he's probably not going to play this week. It's probably going to be one more week until he comes back. Nelson Aguilar, assumingly, will be the second starter, and then Matt Collins will be on the outside with Aguilar being the slot receiver. The fact that Aguilar wasn't targeted was only targeted once against the Green Bay Packers, and what was a competitive game all the way until the end. I don't know how you can play him with any confidence. Now, yes, the Jets are a better matchup, but the Packers are a team that you could attack at least from the slot. Their, their secondary is a lot better, but it's mostly, you know, Jared Alexander is better against wide receiver ones. You can still attack them in the slot area, and they weren't able to do that. Now, do I think Nelson Aguilar has a better game than he did against the Packers? Yeah, but I don't know if it's something you want to trust fantasy-wise. I think Aguilar may have outwore out his welcome as far as being a fantasy-owned player at this point. I can understand if you're desperate injuries by weeks right now that he may have to be a flex for you. And you know, in theory, he's going to get the start because Deshaun Jackson is going to miss one more week, and it's not a bad matchup here. But if I can go a different direction, I definitely would. And then Matt Collins, to me, is not is not fantasy-relevant right now. So for our next game, we got to talk about is the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, this is going to be an interesting game. The Baltimore Ravens are coming off of two tough losses in a row, especially the one last week against the Browns at home. Uh, I do think that they need to get back to the basics a little bit, establish the run more so, And I think we're going to see that. Now, I'm getting news now that uh, while Mark Andrews didn't practice yesterday, he is back at practice today. His foot's looking healthier and has been getting progressively healthier over the past few weeks. Um, We knew even when Andrews didn't practice yesterday that wasn't going to be in any danger for Sunday. That had been the routine that he had followed thus far. Uh, The other thing to keep in mind, though, is that Brandon Williams did practice today. So he should be back on that defensive front, which means terrible things for the run game of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So after after looking great with the run game and using Jalen Samuels and using James Connor on Monday Night Football against the Cincinnati Bengals, and you know, you're like, oh, Nick Chubb had a great game against Baltimore Ravens. Brandon Williams wasn't in. Brandon Williams is going to be back this week after practicing today. That seems a very likely possibility. And if that's going to be the case, I no longer like Connor or Samuels or whatever they tried to do in the run game. I don't. Because the Ravens become a top notch run defense when he's back in there. It looks like he's gonna be there. Yeah, I, I I mean, I still obviously you're still gonna to have to play Connor on the other side, but maybe you hold off and wait a week on Jalen Samuels. First of all, see, you know, if it goes two weeks in a row with them getting a fifty fifty split, then you know going forward that's going to be the game plan now. But also in a tough matchup, I'm just I will, I will roster Jalen uh, Samuels right now, but I'm not going to play Jalen Samuels right now. And James Conner is expected to play uh, on Sunday. He had a little bit of ankle injury, didn't practice yesterday, is expected to pr- uh, practice in a limited capacity today. We'll find out more uh, later on as far as his notes go. But I do think we're going to see James Conner probably play on Sunday. You probably don't have a better option, but he's not going to have a very high ceiling in my book this week uh, either with that news. Lamar Jackson, he's still been a QB one, a top five QB one. At that, even the last two weeks where he hasn't quite had the passing game, he rushes and he always is going always going to have a floor. As a result, to me, he's as safe as a QB one as they come against Pittsburgh Steelers. I expect Mark Ingram to have a decent game in this one, so you're good there. And of course, you're going to start him. Um, I think you can continue to play Marquise Brown as a flex wide receiver. It's been a little bit disappointing the last few weeks. He's been. While he's been playing more and more, he's been less and less involved. So it's been a little bit strange. But to me, as far as the wide receivers go, he's still the number one wide receiver. Number one pass catcher, still Mark Andrews, and you're going to continue to play him. He's been a tight end one. I'm not touching anybody else outside of that. Kind of straightforward when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. I think you can play all of your Ravens, includes Marquise Brown. Uh, he's still a guy who has a big play, big stealing for you. So he's still a guy who works very well in your lineup as a home run threat for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, like I said, you have to play James Conner. You probably have to play Juju Smith Schuster. They have to find a way to get Schuster going again. Uh, He's too good of a receiver. And while Deontay Johnson has been solid the past two weeks, I don't love this matchup against the Baltimore Ravens for him. And I think this is a week that will, if they don't get Schuster involved, will show you why they have to have Schuster involved. He's, He's just too good to be an afterthought in the offense. So I think you might have to play him. I wouldn't be opposed to benching him this week. It's not a great matchup. Uh, he hasn't been playing very well. If you have other options that have plus matchups this week, I'm not going to be mad at you if you bench Schuster. But you probably don't have a better option. He's still a talented wide receiver. He still should be the number one guy. They still have to get him more involved moving forward. So I'm, you know, that's that's a tough situation right now for Juju's Mister Schuster owners. I think for season long, he is going to get this thing turned around. He's eventually going to get back on track. Now, is he going to be the wide receiver one that you drafted him to be? No. No, I don't. But is he somebody that you can sell on? I don't know if you can sell on him. You're only going to get pennies on the dollar for Juju Smith-Schuster. You're not going to be able to turn him into a wide receiver one. I got some questions, you know, throughout the week. You know, if I traded Schuster and packaged him with this player, do you think I could get a Mike Evans or an Odell Beckham or someone along those lines? And, I think that that second player that you're going to have to get up to get one of those wide receivers packaging with Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have to be too good for you to want to actually make that deal. Because schuster frankly, on the trade market right now, isn't worth a whole hell of a lot. He's not. Nobody wants to take that risk on him, especially with no prospect of Big Ben coming back this season. So I don't think you can sell on Schuster because I don't think you're going to get anything for him. I think you're better off sticking with him and just knowing that he's going to play better as the season goes on. But he just may not be a wide receiver one for you anymore. He may only be a wide receiver two. And that's that's what you have to change your mindset to and be able to build your roster moving forward with that in mind that he is a wide receiver two and doing what you have to do as a result of that. So we'll see. I mean, if you can make a good deal, there's some leagues out there where I'm sure you have somebody who maybe would trade you Odell Beckham for Schuster and... A player that isn't, you know, a big significant value, maybe you can make that deal. And if you can, yeah, all by all means, go for it. I just think it's unlikely that that's able to happen right now. Vance McDonald may be able to play this week. We'll see. Even if he does, I don't know how much I trust him this week. I'm not going to stream Nick Vanette either. Um, but I do think Mance McDonald is somebody that you should try to still hold on to because I do think when he comes back, there's a decent chance that he is one of the top targets for Mason Rudolph, especially in the red zone. So I do think he's somebody who can continue to trust the tight end position to be a touchdown guy week in and week out. So I do think he's going to be tight end fantasy relevant in that sense uh, once he does come back. It just Even if he plays this week, I would maybe wait one more week for him, but he's still somebody who I would want to roster if I have the ability to do so. I understand with bye weeks and injuries sometimes right now, especially this part of the season, might not be an option for you. But if I have the ability to do so, he's not somebody who's a must drop for me in any stretch of the means. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, wrap up the last few games that we had The preview for the Sunday 1 o'clock time slot. The MD's fantasy football show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrapsports.com. Again, that's unwrapsports.com. All right, we got three more games to get into for this episode. Starting off with the New England Patriots and the Washington Redskins, and the Patriots once again get another matchup in which it should be nothing but a one-sided affair. Uh, you play everybody that you have on the Patriots. You Play Tom Brady. You play Julian Edelman. You play Josh Gordon. You play Sony Michelle. Yes, you play Sony Michelle. Look, it's another matchup in which the Patriots should dominate. It's another game in which Sony Michelle should have a positive game script for him in the second half. It's a good matchup. It's a team you should be able to have some success running the football. I know he hasn't been great, but the return of Benjamin Watson this week from suspension may go a long way. The biggest thing to the Patriots issue right now hasn't been Michelle's play. It's been the fact that they just do not have enough to be able to run block right now, especially with James Devlin missing with the offensive line banged up at the moment. So until the offensive line is able to get healthier as the season moves along, Benjamin Watson actually brings something to the table. Not even as a tight end. I know a lot of people want to pick him up as a sleeper. I don't know how much... Production he's going to give you from fantasy purposes, but I do think if you're a Sony Michelle owner, you should be counting your lucky stars at Benjamin Watson's back because he is a guy who's a veteran who can come in and block and really help out that run game. They can motion him around, they can use him in the backfield as a as a, you know, a hybrid fullback type of guy too. So I do think he does offer some hope for Sony Michelle to get this thing turned around. I do think Michelle's going to be able to turn this around in the second half. Look. Look at their matchup coming up for the next couple of weeks. I mean, they got the Redskins this week, Giants next week. They still have the Dolphins that they get to play again. They have some favorable matchups. There's a very good chance Sonny Michel can turn this thing around. He's one of my guys who I do think could be a bounce-back candidate in the second half of the season. So I do think I'm not going to panic on Sonny Michel if I own him. Now, I understand the concerns. But I do think this is an offensive line that's going to get healthier and going to get better. And Watson goes a long way in helping with that too. So I do think you can play Michelle in this one. Now, he's nothing more than a flex play. Uh, he's not, you know, he can't be considered an RB2 until you get to see it. But the thing that you can, you know, sink your teeth into is that even though the production hasn't been great, he still by far has been the number one rusher of the Patriots. Now he's not involved in the passing game at all, which is what is really hurting his floor at the moment, because if he doesn't get you 50 yards and a touchdown, you're not getting a whole hell of a lot out of him at the moment, so you do need, him, but you do need him to produce on the on the ground. But he is getting the carries to have at least the opportunity to do so. So as long as that stays true, I do think Sony Michelle has an opportunity to turn around. So I'm not panicking on him just yet. Uh, I think you can go ahead and play James White. Rex Burkhead's a little bit banged up. You know, White is still going to be as high of a floor. He, doesn't, he never has a high ceiling, but he's as dependable for a low-end RB2 high-end flex play for PPR leagues only, week in and week out, and half-point PPR leagues. It's just the only one that he just has too low of a floor on for me to be able to depend on, especially in a matchup where the Patriots could dominate the game, would be standard leagues. That's where I would probably not play him, but half-point PPR leagues, full-point PPR leagues, he always has a high floor because he's pretty much a lot to catch five to six balls minimum in any given week. So I think you can go ahead and continue to play him. And like I already talked about the receivers, Edelman, Gordon, go for it. Philip Dorsett, I don't think you play him this week. While it's a plus matchup, there's also no reason to have to go to two Dorsett. Edelman and Gordon will have just fine matchups in their own right. So I don't see Brady going to too many places outside of those two guys. So, and Dorsett's always going to be a, a hit or miss type of play any given week anyway. Um, he does have value with Antonio Brown gone. He is that third receiver for them, but... It's just going to be so hit or miss. I don't know when you're ever going to feel comfortable playing Philip Dorsett, regardless of the matchup, unless it's a game which you're sure there's going to be a lot of scoring on both sides of the ball, and this is not going to be that game. On the flip side for the Redskins, I don't know if I start anybody. That includes Terry McLaurin. Look, even if he's able to come back and play this week, which he did practice in a limited capacity, so there's a chance that he does, we all know what the Patriots are going to do. They're going to take away your number one option, and in the Redskins' case, their number one option is their only option. So I don't, I don't know if Terry McLaurin really has much of an opportunity to do much in this matchup. So I don't play Terry McLaurin against the Patriots, especially coming off the hamstring issue. Look, whatever you had to do last week to replace him, I would do again this week. You never drafted Terry McLaurin to be your starting wide receiver anyway, so I have to think you have other options. I'm waiting one more week uh, before I can put him back in my lineup. And then, you know, once we're done with the Patriots, by all means, he's been... A high-end wide receiver, too, he's going to continue to be that no matter who the quarterback is. I think that's the good part. So, yeah, you can go ahead and play Terry McLaurin. I have no issues there, but just not this week. And on top of it, you had Case Keenum, who was in a walking boot yesterday, didn't practice. We're still waiting what the practice report is for today. Jordan Reed's not going to be back. Um, You know, So we don't know who the quarterback's even going to be this week. The only other Redskin who I might contemplate if I'm in a full-point PPR league is Chris Thompson because I don't know who else is going to catch the ball this week? If it's not going to be McLaurin, I definitely don't trust Richardson or Trey Quinn to catch the ball with any kind of volume. And if the quarterback, whether it's Dwayne Haskins or Colt McCoy, either way, they're going to need a safety blanket. Either way, this team's going to be down a ton early in the game and have to throw quite a bit to come back. Chris Thompson is in a position to catch, I don't know, anywhere between six to ten balls, really, in this game, because there might not be anybody else to go to to get open. So the volume, I think, especially for PPR purposes, I think Chris Thompson might be a low-end RB2 this week. So definitely somebody you can play there, but just know that you have no ceiling. You're just you're pretty much just hoping for those catches, that high-volume catches I think you have a good chance to get in this game. Besides that, I, that, that's it. That's it. I'm not playing anybody else in the Redskins. I don't think you can. I don't know how you would. Uh, Vernon Davis is still not practicing. He's going through concussion protocol. Jeremy Sprinkle might be the starting tight end this week. Uh, that, that's how bad it is going up against the New England Patriots right now for the Washington Redskins. Next game to talk about is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers. This game is going to be interesting. Uh, I think it's a low-ceiling game for every fantasy player involved. Um, Leonard Fournette looked great last week. And with Robinson back on that offensive line, the offensive line looks much better, especially in the run-blocking game. We'll see if that's able to continue. Uh, but Leonard Fournette, obviously you're going to play him. He's you know a high-end RB2 with the possibility of being an RB1. Uh, just, it's not the best matchup in the world against Carolina, who does have a pretty good front four, who does have Luke Keekley does play pretty decent against the run most of the time, but I'm not going to bench Leonard Fournette, and it's not a matchup that like scares me off of his ceiling or anything like that in this game, and I do think you can play DJ Chark. I think you can only play one Jacksonville wide receiver, but I do think that wide receiver is DJ Chark. It was a tough matchup for him last week. I got to see a lot of Chris Harris, and even then, he still got targeted in the red zone, just a couple of penalties, so he's... DJ Chark is somebody I I think that you can play as a a low-end wide receiver three that has touchdown potential. Uh, I think there's a decent chance he could find himself in that situation again this week against Carolina Panthers. Bradbury does not scare me. So I do think you can play DJ Chark this week in a flex or a wide receiver three position. That's it, though. I'm not going to play Chris Conley. I'm not going to trust D.D. Westbrook. I think this offense can only really hold the value for one pass catcher and for Leonard Fournette. I'm not going to stream Gardner Minshew. All right, because Carolina Panthers is not a plus matchup. This this is a game that really really spells out to be a low-scoring game. Only a certain select few people are going to have chances to score. On the Panthers' side of the ball, obviously, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Um, you probably have to play DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. The good news is that for if you have DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel, that Jalen Ramsey is still not practicing, you know, claiming, quote-unquote, the back issue. I think, I think he's just found a way at this point that he's just going to continue to sit out until they trade him. So I don't think Jalen Ramsey plays in this one. We did see last week, especially with Joe Flacco going for 300 yards and three touchdowns, that without Jalen Ramsey, they are vulnerable on the opposite side of Bouye. So, and because Jacksonville doesn't switch up their corners, as long as DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel take turns lining up on the opposite side of Bouye, both of them could have decent outputs. So if Jalen Ramsey does not play, which it does not look at this point like he will, um, you can still play them. I think they're wide receiver threes. They don't have high ceilings. I do worry about DJ Moore a little bit because so, th- so far through two starts of Kyle Allen, he hasn't been targeted very much. He's been out-targeted by Curtis Samuels so far. Uh, we'll see if that continues. But I do think you can play them both as wide receiver threes or flex plays in this matchup, especially if there's no Jalen Samuels. I'm sorry, I'm especially no Jalen Ramsey. Greg Olson, I think right now he's a tight end one. I think you have to play him. Uh, he's still a red zone threat. Kyle Allen will look to go to him. He had a bad game last week, but against Jacksonville Jaguars, I think he might be outside of Christian McCaffrey. I think he might be the most dependable pass catcher for Kyle Allen to be able to go to in this matchup. And like I said, right now he's just playing like a tight end one. So it's going to be kind of hard to bench him even in a, maybe a not so great matchup against Jacksonville in this one. And then McCaffrey, like I said, McCaffrey, you're good. You're good to go. Uh, that wraps up for that game. Our last game to talk about before we get into the mailbag segment of the show is the Atlanta Falcons and the Houston Texans. And I, you know, save the best for last. This game could go one of two ways. Right now, neither team is playing very well. So this, if that continues, this could be a low scoring game. Or... Both offenses could wake up and realize to take advantage of neither team has a very good defense right now. Both teams do have very good talented offenses that aren't just playing as great at the moment. This could turn into a shootout. So there's a wide range of outcomes for just the game in general, never mind the actual individual fantasy players that we're going to talk about. Matt Ryan, even though the offense has been bad, has thrown for over 300 yards every single week. He's been a QB1, period. It hasn't been pretty. For sure, but he's been a QB1. You continue to play him with confidence. I mean, you can play everybody with confidence in this game. It's a great match because the Houston Texans. They don't have a very good defense or a good secondary. Devontae Freeman can continue to be an RB2 in this matchup. Uh, Julio Jones is, you know, Julio Jones. And Calvin Ridley, I think can you can have confidence that Calvin Ridley has a good chance to bounce back in this game and find himself in the end zone. Mohamed um, is the one guy who I tend to try not to play uh, against them, but in a PPR league, he could have a decent floor. Austin Hooper has been a tight end one. You continue to play him against Houston. Um, you know, so it kind of shakes out that way from Devontae Freeman owner. The only thing I'm really worried about in this game is Ito Smith stealing goal line work like he did last week. Look, Devontae Freeman, he had by far the most, not just the most touches, but it wasn't a close it wasn't a close uh, discrepancy between the two as far as touches go. Devontae Freeman was the the lead back. The problem was Ido Smith came in when they got inside the 10. And that's worrisome. And hopefully that doesn't continue. I don't know why they continue to do that. I don't think Ido Smith is some, you know, bona fide protocol goal line back. So I'm not understanding that part of it. And Devontae Freeman has been very good in the goal line throughout his career. So I don't really know why you're suddenly going away from him now. But... It is something to worry about, but I do think Devontae Freeman, last week against Tennessee, the offense didn't do very well, but he was involved in the passing game more. If that continues, and I talked about this in the recap, if that continues, then I'm okay. He's going to be able to be an RB two. So that, that pretty much good. is good there. But you start who you would start normally for the Falcons. The same thing goes to the Houston Texans. Now, for the Texans injury-wise, Kenny Stills was actually able to practice for the second day in a row today in a limited capacity with the hamstring. So while I had Kiki Kute on the waiver wire report thinking Kenny Stills was not going to play this week, he might. So if he does, he's been the wide receiver three. It hasn't been Kute. So Kute might not get his chance this week after all. Um, not that I'm starting stills and not that I would really want to start Kukke. Hopefully I would have better options there too. Uh, but when you're looking at this team, Sean Watson, DeAndre you Hopkins, you know, obviously, and they have a ceiling going up against Atlanta. It's a battle. It's a bad defense right now. Yes. They just traded for Jonathan Cypher, but this is his first week there. And he wasn't even playing well enough to get into playing a significant playing time with the Philadelphia Eagles secondary, which we all see how bad that was. So, You know, we'll see exactly what kind of difference he can make. I think it was a good trade because they had to do something after last week without Keanu Neal. But I don't know how much big of an impact it's going to have, especially for this week. So, you know, sky's the limit for Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. I think you can play Will Fuller this week. Uh, The Falcons are somebody who have been proven that you can beat them deep. And they're even when they're playing a soft cover three zone, they just they just don't. They're just not playing as a unit right now. They have the talent, which is what is mind boggling. But they're just not playing well at the moment. So I think you can play Will Fuller as a flyer flex. Now, he he just hasn't been involved enough for me to have the utmost confidence to play him. And if you have better options, I would go that route. But he is somebody who I think you can play in this matchup and just play him like you would a Will Fuller. You're looking for a home run. I think you can play him with the confidence that he should at least have the opportunity to hit a home run in this game. Still not touching the tight ends. I know they're getting more involved, they're getting more work in, but it's it's flipping between Atkins and Thomas, and, and I'm just not going to get involved with that. It's not enough consistency there for me to get involved with the tight ends. But it's pretty straightforward who you're going to play. You can play Carlos Hyde in this game. I I, I think Carlos Hyde's a, a worthy flex or even an RB two if one of your running backs are on by or, or or you know you have Saquon Barkley and Wayne Gallman. I would play Carlos Hyde over Wayne Gallman this week. Uh, So I think there's matchups to be had there too. So uh, you can pretty much play all the Houston Texans that you would normally play and uh, just hope that they play better. But this is a matchup that, like I said, this game could go either way because neither team's playing well right now, but they both have talent. So this could be a very high-scoring game or it could be a very, very ugly game. But I'm still playing all the guys I would normally play with confidence this week knowing that it's good matchups both sides. So, we're gonna take our last break, come back on the other side, we get the mailbag segment, and then we're gonna go ahead and close down the episode for the day. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts, but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. All right, so now we can get into one of my favorite parts of the preview episodes, which is doing the mailbag segments, interacting with the listeners, who I always appreciate as MD Nation, and you guys are the best. You've been so supportive of the show, and I am so happy that you returned to me, to be your tool to help with your fantasy leagues to help you try to win games. That's what I love to do. That's what I love to be a part of. And uh, I just want to show my appreciation for MD Nation really being involved, especially over this, this course of the season and in this off season. And I love doing these questions with you guys. And of course, if you ever have a question fantasy football wise, you can ask. Doesn't matter if it start sit trade, whatever the case may be, you can always get at me at MDSF Show on Twitter uh, at MDFF Show on Facebook and of course email me directly through the website www.mdffshow.com I will select a handful uh, to be on the preview episodes for Thursday and Friday so that's the ones I'm going to talk about now the ones I selected to kind of get in there that I thought might be uh, really good for a lot of people out there questions that a lot of people may have so hopefully it answers maybe a lot of other people's uh, stuff that they have going on out there that maybe didn't get to me Um, but yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite parts of the show where I get to kind of shout and show some love uh, to the fans here. So we have Johnny from Twitter. Uh, he asked me, should I trade Saquon Barkley for Deshaun Watson and for Mike Evans? Now, uh, we're going to talk about this question in, in two different ways because I did have a conversation with him. I know that how this worked out and I know, you know, more in depth of what his team, how is constructed. So let's first look at this trade in a vacuum. You know, Let's say I didn't know what the rest of his roster was like. In a vacuum, do I make this deal? Probably not, especially not with the news that Saquon Barkley, even if he doesn't come back this week, will probably be back next week. Um, so I wouldn't make that deal because Saquon Barkley is so good for fantasy purposes. He, yeah, he can be the RB1 every single week. And even though you're trading for Deshaun Watson and Mike Evans, which are both a QB one and a wide receiver one, so it's, it's a very good, it's a fair deal. It's not an off deal, but I would rather have one player who can give me the kind of production that Saquon Barkley can, and then figure out other options at the quarterback and wide receiver rather than have those two guys. Neither of which I think are playing very well at the moment in Deshaun Watson's case or are always going to be consistent throughout the season due to matchups against tough corners in Mike Evans' case. Because he does have kind of a tough schedule. He plays a lot of top end corners. And with Chris Godwin playing as well as he has, it's kind of taking away the forced volume that would necessarily go to Mike Evans even when he had those tough matchups in the past. Um so that's in a vacuum. Now, in Johnny's situation, we were able to have a conversation, and he showed me the rest of his team. Now, he was in a situation with his roster constructed that he really needed a quarterback. He just he was streaming, and a lot of the guys that we normally lean on for streaming this week either had injuries happen to their wide receivers like Andy Dalton or injuries happen to them like Josh Allen who may not be able to go this week, may or may not. We don't know. So he was in that situation, and he didn't possess a wide receiver one, And he did have good, solid running backs uh, on his roster that he could still have a productive RB1, he still had a solid RB2, and then he would have a QB1 and a wide receiver one. So the way his roster was constructed, the deal actually made sense. So that's just to show you the difference between, you know, when you look at a trade in a vacuum, when you guys talk about on Twitter or, you know, all these apps out there and they're saying like, hey, should I do this deal? A lot of it has just just has to do with your own personal roster construction. So you know best when it comes to that. But that's why I wanted to take this opportunity to look at this question from two different views uh, in case other people have this question. I know a lot of people are probably getting offers right now for Shaquan Barkley from people who are hoping to buy low on him while he's injured. So I just wanted to attack that from a couple of different ways and show you why I would not accept it in in one sense and why I would accept it in another sense. Uh, the next question that I picked out here, Husker, hell of a name, uh, contacted me through email through the website, said, uh, "Should I trade Alvin Kamara for Odell Beckham and Damien Williams in a half point PPR league?" Again. No, and this uh, this was not a this is not one that we wound up having a long conversation on. I'm still waiting for a response, so I don't know what the rest of the roster sets up as. So this is the trade that we have to look at from a vacuum right now because that's the only information I have for you. But looking at this from a halfway PPR standpoint, no, I'm not doing that deal. Look, Damian Williams is going to come back this week. He's practiced in full lap past couple days. We're going to be previewing that game in tomorrow's episode on Friday when we do the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night previews. Um, So we're going to talk about that more tomorrow. But he's going to play. He's going to be back. And he might be somewhat productive. Odell Beckham hasn't been great. Cleveland, maybe they turned a corner as an offense after this week. I do think Odell Beckham's definitely going to be playing better as the season wears on. He's still, in my book, a wide receiver one, even though he hasn't had the production. uh, Just because that offense is too good, he's too good to continue to struggle the way that they have so far. But Alvin Kamara, to me, still has a chance to end the season as the RB1 and because Teddy Bridgewater's in he still had good games the past few weeks now he's had two games where he maybe hasn't had quite the ceiling you were hoping for but he's out there on every play Alvin Kamara is a hell of a talent and I think the difference between Alvin Kamara and Damian Williams is too significant even if you don't necessarily have a great wide receiver one right now where you get Odell Beckham I'm holding on to Alvin Kamara here I mean he's just he's as consistent as they come, he has as high of a ceiling as they come. And with Odell Beckham struggling the way he is with Damian Williams coming back from injury and Daryl Williams now showing that he can produce at a high level, we that could come that could wind up becoming a three-headed monster there in Kansas City. We don't know yet. And we don't know exactly if Damian Williams is gonna have his starting role. LaShawn McCoy's looked very good and is getting more involved in the offense. Damien Williams might just be a pass catcher. So I don't make that deal. I stick with Alvin Kamara. Uh, we got Antuka, and I, I, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, Antuka is the way it's spelled out to me anyway, um, from Facebook asked, should I trade Mark Andrews, a lot of trade questions this week, I didn't get too many start set questions, I got a lot of trade questions, should I trade Mark Andrews and Brandon Cooks for David Montgomery, absolutely not, you uh, d- went on to say that he really wants to buy David Montgomery. I think he's going to have a great second half of the season. and I don't disagree with that. I think David Montgomery is going to have a very good second half of the season, especially now that it is definitely his backfield. But, I'm not going to trade a tight end one in Mark Andrews, and I'm not going to give up a high end wide receiver two in Brandon Cooks for David Montgomery, who's not an RB1. Even if he has a great second half of the season, he's not an RB1 He's a high end RB two because as an offense is not going to put up a ton of points. So he's not going to have the extra opportunities like the rest of the RB, a lot of the R B ones, I should say, have in their offenses where they get opportunities to score more. He doesn't have that same kind of opportunity. So he's an R B two. He might be a high end R B two in the second half of the season as he gets better with the volume that he's been having. Um but he, that offense is still just is not very good. Whether it's Chase Daniels, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky, they're not going to put up a ton of points no matter who they play against. So, no, I'm not making that deal. When Mark Andrews alone, he offers you a top t- three tight end at the moment. Brandon Cooks is a top two wide receiver, is a top uh, wide receiver two, I should say. So, no, absolutely not. And I picked this one out because a lot of people are trying to buy on David Montgomery, which I'm all for. But you're giving up way too much value in this situation for David Montgomery. So, no, absolutely not would I make that deal. That closes down the episode for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We will be back tomorrow with Friday's preview for the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night games. And, of course, we'll have another mailbag segment in that one. We'll kick off the show by recapping the Thursday night game from tonight. So we have all that to look forward to. And, of course, I'll give you the updated injury report uh, throughout that episode as well. I will be doing a rankings video most likely tomorrow. Make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFFshow, on Facebook at MDFFshow uh, for when I am ready to go live because I'll make sure I post it both on those social medias so you know exactly when that's going to happen. You can always go back and look at it and go to sportscaster.com, look up MDFFshowUSN, and you can always go back and replay my live stream that I do put out there. And that'll be the week five rankings video uh, that I do every week. So that'll be probably coming out tomorrow. I will let you guys know about that too. So a lot of great things to look forward to. A lot of great pieces of information to help you make the best decisions possible for your lineups to get you guys that win in your matchups. So we're going to close it down here. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Make sure you can listen to this podcast. Leave me a review It really helps out the show. If you can leave a five-star review and comments, whether you listen to it on on Apple Podcasts or Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to the show, please leave us a review. It really helps out the show. You have no idea how much it helps. And I really do appreciate it, you guys. And uh, make sure you check out one of my networks, Overtime Heroics, Belly Up Sports, Unwrap Sports Network. I have peers there who are all doing great work, fantasy football related there as well. You'll see me retweet their stuff when it's fantasy football or NFL related. So it really is a lot of great infrastructure sources of information that you can go to, and you should be checking them out, too. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a lovely day.
0: Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.